Everybody, welcome. Jim Minnery here on I'm Glad You Said That. I'm going to say it a few more times. At, at some point, we're going to be able to not have to harken back to the days when it was Family Matters, but I am just going to make sure that people know. It used to be called Family Matters. Now it's called I'm Glad You Said That because we're trying to expand the program. Turns out Family Matters is uh, um, a common name for podcasts and other things across the country. And so we wanted to come up with something unique as we expand the program. Uh, and also that's typically what I'm thinking when people are on the show. So for today on the show, I'm very happy to have what I can say is my, uh, new friend, John quick. John is involved in an enormous amount of things. The dude is, uh, just over the top, um, you know, busy <laughs> as we all are, but I mean, he owns Nikiski hardware. He's part owner of that. He is a part of a beauty product online that his 13-year-old daughter is helping him with. He's, you know, the former chief of staff of Charlie Pierce, who's recently thrown in his hat in the ring for governor. He's a former short-term commissioner of the Department of Administration for Dunleavy. He's working with uh, my friend Bernadette at uh, Americans for Prosperity. He's working with my friend Suzanne Downing at Must Read Alaska. It kind of just goes on and on, but uh, he's also involved with the project my friend John Faulkner is, is heading up down in the Kenai that we'll talk a little bit about uh, later on the show. So anyway, it, it's it's real exciting. He's a neat guy, really uh, um, just, uh, just a jewel of a guy that we're very happy to have in the program today. So stick around for that. Uh, as always, we want to thank our friends at Rieger PT, R-E-G-E. RPT.com. Go and avail yourselves of uh, Cortland's services over there. They have an exceptional team of uh, physical therapists, and uh, they obviously are aligned with what you and I care deeply about. Go to akfamily.org if you haven't already uh, to sign up for our alerts. We're trying to expand our ministry. Uh, if you've already signed up, maybe you could help by telling someone else to go to akfamily.org and expand or uh, sign up for our Alerts, we're particularly busy right now. Unfortunately, most of what we're doing down in the legislature is stopping things from happening. happening, And that's because for the third legislative session in a row, despite having a Republican majority elected, uh, we weren't able to play in the sandbox together. We're not a political organization, so we're not a Republican or Democrat um, group or even independent. Uh, we're very much just gospel aligned in terms of the kind of policy that we ed- advocate for and uh, stuff that goes against uh, human flourishing is what we oppose. But the reality is that the Republican Party is much more closely aligned with what we do. Just look at the two platforms and you'll see. But the reality is Kelly Merrick out of Eagle River and once again, Louis Stutes out of Kodiak chose to give away the farm and, uh, and basically team up uh, and collaborate and give power to the Democrats. So that's why it's just amazing when you get a, a Republican majority elected and then you try to look at all of the, the committees that are down in Juneau that are now hearing some of these bills that we are opposing. It's just, uh, it's bizarre. It truly is bizarre. In fact, I talked to a lot of my friends across the country um, and that's one thing that they agree. Uh, you know, we're, we're unique in many ways in this state. We're also very like-minded. I mean, we're humans. 
uh, we're Americans, uh, we're sinners, uh, you know, we're, we're just, we're the same as, as any other um, group across the country. But one thing that is unique in terms of our legislature, not only that you can't get into Juneau without flying or taking a boat, that's very unique. Uh, and it shocks a lot of people when they're reminded of that across the country. Should shock a lot of us, too, because of how uh, inaccessible it is. But also, we're unique in that we continue to give away power. Um, uh, after it, we've after we've uh, elected Republican majority, so it's just it's bizarre, it's baffling. Hopefully, it's uh, we'll have another shot at it come November. We'll have a lot of things going on in November. Actually, uh, first time we've had ranked choice voting. Who knows how that's going to play out? Um, you know, I have some people on the conservative side who think that you know, since we have now Charlie Pierce in the um, in the mix. Of course, Christopher Kirka, who we have opposed in the past due to his outlandish behavior as a representative and when he was president of Right to Life, him and Pat Martin continue to, uh, along with David Eastman, I mean, you could disagree with me, but the reality is that those three guys uh, are exceptional at alienating everyone, not just those who disagree with them, but I think even more so those who are aligned with them. But because they are not... um, you know, because people are not pure as the driven snow, uh, aligned exactly with the way they think things should be, then they're not only uh, in disagreement with us, those of us who try to move the ball down the field, you know, five yards in a cloud of dust, as Woody Hayes uh, used to say with Ohio State, um, but they malign them and attack them and actually come after them as, you know, not being pure. And it's, it's, really, uh, it's really sad to see, but... Um, because of uh, the mix of people now, of conservatives that are in the uh, the governor's race, who knows how ranked choice voting is going to be? I mean, you can see that there are places where it has, um, you know, faltered or has, has has blown up, and and people are are waking up like having a hangover, saying, "What in the world did we just vote for?" Because the person who got the most number of votes didn't get elected because of the ranked choice in the and the algorithms and all the bizarre stuff that even the experts can't seem to figure out who do this for a living. So it's just, it's amazing. It's Scott Kendall and his brilliant ice cream marketing, you know, and just go into the store and you don't want a peanut butter, or you want a peanut butter and chocolate ice cream? Well, they don't have it. So why don't you go for the uh, Rocky Road? You know, you like them both? Oh, no big deal. Well, it's not that way. I don't want to vote for Bill Walker. I don't want to vote for Christopher Kirka. I don't want to vote for Lisa Murkowski, and I'm not gonna. I mean, it's just bizarre to think of how this has played out. It's not. It's not uniformly, um, you know, despised by all conservatives. Ben Shapiro, of note, is someone that uh, has come out in support of it. So anyway, a um, couple quick things before we take our first break and talk with Jonathan Quick. Um, we are going to be, as many of you know, uh, pushing very hard for constitutional convention in November. Uh, hopefully we'll have other groups across the state. Hopefully we'll be able to raise some money. And, uh, you know, I just had an interview just before this, this program with Becky Bohr at the Associated Press. Hopefully she puts out a story that's somewhat neutral, at least. I doubt it. I challenged her to put um, forth some of the stuff that I, I mentioned in the interview. But anyway, one of the things that we're going to need are some interns. People who aren't necessarily, uh, they're not going to get paid, but they're going to get an incredible amount of experience. 
everything from uh, you know campaign management to telemarketing to uh, writing, uh, public speaking, all sorts of different things. So if you know of anyone that, um, and we can give them college credit, we can give them high school credit, all that stuff. Have them call. Uh, have them call me directly. Nine zero seven three one seven seven two six eight. Probably. Uh, I shouldn't be giving that number out, but I've given it out. It's on the website, whatever. I give it out everywhere. Have people call me or email me. That's probably the best. Uh, Jim at akfamily.org. Because we certainly need uh, interns um, because we're not going to be loaded with with funds. That's for sure. I can guarantee you the left will be, though, fighting it, including Bill Walker and all of his minions uh, and Scott Kendall, and there'll be a ton of outside money. But I think we can do it. I think it's a great opportunity for us. And, and, and Jonathan Quick and I will talk about that, among many other things. So you're listening to uh, Jim Minnery with Alaska Family Council here on I'm Glad You Said That. We're a podcast now as well, and we're on the radio stations. Stick around. We'll be right back with Jonathan Quick here on I'm Glad You Said That. I'm glad you said that. And I'll say this uh, maybe a few more times before uh, before I just officially make the transfer to I'm glad you said that. But this used to be Family Matters. We are expanding the program, wanting to have some specific identity. Turns out there are some Family Matters programs and podcasts across the country. And uh, so we changed it to I'm glad you said that to create some kind of uh, uniqueness. And also because it's generally what I'm thinking when I talk to uh, my hosts. I'm really glad to, to be able to have the privilege to talk to folks throughout uh, the month and year, and I'm uh, proud to say that I'm talking to a new friend of mine, John Quick. Uh, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks so much for having me, Jim, and uh, super glad to be here, and I look forward to having a good conversation with you today. Well, we, we saw each other recently at an Americans for Prosperity event. You're doing some work with them. You're also doing some work with uh, Suzanne at Must Read Alaska. Um, we had never met before, but I know that you are doing a lot of other things too. It turns out that you're the uh, a project consultant um, on the, um, the Kenai Homeport project, which is something I'm very interested in personally. I don't know if I want to be able to afford one of those places, but I'd like to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I talked to uh, John Faulkner about uh, you know, hey, give me some, give me some kind of it scoop on some of your more affordable places. And I was like, well, I'm not sure if I can even afford those ones, but. It's a really cool project if people haven't looked into that yet, uh, kind of transforming the old cannery. I do a lot of dip netting out of our boat in that area, so that was really cool. And you're you're working on that. We can maybe talk about that a little bit. There's a lot of things we can talk about. I know that you are also involved in uh, Wildly Alaska. It's a, uh, a skincare product and some other things that your daughter, who's very young, um, at the age of 11, I think, isn't she? Or no? She's 13 now, so... Man, okay, time flies. thirteen. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, you don't look. Uh, you know, you look at the same age. You know, I'm sure your daughter looks different in the picture on your <laughs> website. <laughs> you look like you haven't aged a bit. But hey, listen, I've, I've yeah. enjoyed listening to you and, and and hearing about you and you know through mutual friends and all that stuff. But for folks who don't know who John Quick is, maybe get them up to speed on your your uh, you know your journey up to the place where you're at right now. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Jim. Well, um, my uh, family and I, we live uh, out on the Kenai Peninsula. My wife's born and raised um, out here on the Kenai Peninsula. And 
you know, we live in the woods and, and uh, her side of the family uh, homesteaded up here in Nikiski back in the day when you could homestead. So, you know, only uh, here and in Arkansas where you're related to basically everybody in the whole town. So, um, but we love it out here and, and we are part owners of the hardware store in town. We don't have any stoplights, but we got one hardware store and uh, myself and some other family members all came together and decided, well, nothing else better to do. We might as well open up a hardware store and none of us do a lick about opening up a hardware store. Man, can I tell you, get a quick MBA doctorate in learning how, uh, what to do and what not to do. <laughs> but it's been, uh, it's been, a, it's been a blessing. We, um, all of us owners have different businesses that we run on the side, but it's, we really have the hardware store to be a blessing to the community. Um, and, so they don't have to drive, you know, 30 miles to go get a screw or a two by four or whatever. And so we hold big community events. That's kind of what we're known for at McKiskey Hardware um, and Supply. Our last event we did was super exciting. We partnered up with a local nonprofit and we gave away 450 new toys to kids and families in our community. We probably had 700, fo- 700 folks come out to the event. Santa was there. Santa's reindeer was there. We had a, you know, a sledding hill and s'mores, and it was just a phenomenal time. We do a car show in the summer, where kind of the who's who of car car clubs they all come to the Kenai, oh, and wow. uh, we host them for the day. And uh, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I, uh, that kind of keeps me busy uh, during during the day, Jim. <laughs> I would say so. I mean, you'd say have all your side gigs, but that's your main gig. It looks like you have a farmer's market that runs most of the summer um, as well. I'm just kind of pulling that up online. but I'd still Yeah, we do our- a farmer's market in the summer, which, you know, is, is uh, keeps traffic in there. We got, we have a, we probably have the nicest commercial, one of the nicest commercial buildings in, in the whole, on the whole peninsula and we pride ourselves with having the nicest bathroom um, in the whole peninsula. It's super. It's, it's pretty awesome. And and we took, you know, we we took uh, wood from a reclaimed building that was a barn. One of the homesteaders out here had a barn that one of the owners had the property of. And we took this old homesteader barn, and we literally took boards down by hand, but nail by nail, board by board and put them back up in the hardware store so that, you know, a little piece of Nikiski homestead history is still alive, you know, today and as well today. And every time somebody comes into that store, they can literally see a little piece of history as they buy a new hammer or, you know, some new plumbing stuff. Wow. And how long have, so you said your wife homesteaded in Alaska. Are you originally from Alaska as well? No, my I, I'm originally from Iowa. Her family, her like extended family, were homesteaders uh, in Alaska. But I'm originally from Iowa, and uh, and uh, you know I make it back there. I don't know. I've been back a couple times in the last five years. Uh, but you know, when you live in paradise up here, there's no real reason to go anywhere except for maybe Hawaii in the summer or in the winter, <laughs> I guess. In the winter. <laughs> so how did you guys meet then? How did you and your bride uh, get together? Well, we met in college. We both went to a Christian school um, down in the lower 48, Northwest College. 
And well, it was Northwest College at the time. It was, then it changed to Northwest University while we were there. And uh, we met there. We both, you know, did ministry, right? Our first, my first job out of college was working for Young Life. And wow. um, I, worked, I worked for Young Life. And, we, you know, we basically partnered up and did Young Life together in the, you know, the rough life we had. We were doing Young Life in the San Juan Islands in Washington. And, uh, oh, <laughs> that's, I love Oregon so, Island. That's one of my favorite places in the world. Oh man, it's uh, it's just the the best out there. We had a house on Fidalgo Island, which, you know, really is kind of it's not a fake island, but it's that first island when you get to Anacortes, and uh, it was it was such a great time, and and uh, so that's that's kind of what we did initially right out of college was doing Young Life full time and taking kids to camp and doing Young Life Monday nights all throughout you know the San Juan Islands. It was a blast. Oh my gosh, that's fascinating. The more you're like an onion man, you just keep peeling off these layers <laughs> and continue to find interesting things because you know the two folks, that, two of the three of the folks that you're working for, John Wagner at Kenai Homeport and Bernadette at Americans for Prosperity and Suzanne, of course, at Mustard. Give us some of the. Uh, um, so what, tell us a little bit about the Kenai Homeport, just because that's a fascinating thing. It's totally outside the realm of what we normally talk about on here, which is faith and politics. But who cares? I mean, let's just talk a little bit about what that is. I think <laughs> it's a cool project. Yeah, John Faulkner is kind of a living legend in Alaska. At least, kind of that's how I see him. And you know, he is the owner and proprietor of one of the best, most popular resort in all of Alaska lands in and and he knows what he's doing he does it well and he wanted to create a community in Kenai that was your you know main coastal town meets the Kenai River and he's owned the Kenai Landing property for a number of years and they've tried to make everything fish under the sun work there you know if if it was an idea they've tried it and they and they really uh you know, tried everything under the sun. It just never worked out. The fishing industry for, you know, better or worse is dying here uh, on the yeah. Kenai Peninsula. And, and so he thought, well, let's create an experience that's going to add value to the Kenai Peninsula borough and provide people, you know, with a home. What better way to do it? Let's create a residential living experience. And so we went through the process with the city of Kenai got fully permitted last year to do 60-something units and broke ground this summer. And the first uh, duplex should be done, I don't know, in the next 90 days or sooner. Um, And, uh, you know, it's going to be like if anybody's been to Seabrook in Washington, uh, Google it if if you've never heard of it. It's kind of like that. This guy in Washington – dreamed up an idea of what it would be like to create a community out of, you know, literally in the middle of nowhere. And now there's a wait list a mile long to get into it. To get into Seabrook. So that's a place that they're sort of emulating it after. I guess what I like about it, I mean, I've thought about getting a place in the Kenai forever. And of course, all my buddies and I who fish down there have, you know, for the last 20 years, I have a few people that have bought homes on the Kenai or property in the Keys and, and other places, and it's always just been like, oh, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, if we just would have, you know. <laughs> it would have been amazing. It would have been amazing, but it, 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 I really like this concept because it's so unique, and people should go to um, 
to the Kenai, I guess it's Kenai Homeport, homeport.com, kenaihomeport.com and check it out. It's really fascinating. Um, all the different things they're doing, even if you're not going to, um, you know, be able to purchase anything down there and aren't interested in that. I just find it fascinating to be able to, to, to reuse some of the material from the, from the day, uh, you know, go, going back to the day of the cannery and, and recreating that era and having it sort of be this mixed use concept of, you know, maybe, a um, a, a coffee shop or even a little store. I mean, I, I just love that. And we've gone by that cannery every year for the last 20 years, you know, just kind of floating by trying to get the fish in the, in the dip net and wondered whatever's going to happen to that place. Well, it's nice to see that, that, that there's progress being made. And, um, I could talk about that project all the rest of our next two segments, but let's, let's shift gear and talk about a couple other things. Um, folks, I'm speaking with, uh, John Quick. He's involved in a lot of different things, including working with uh, Must Read Alaska and Americans for Prosperity. Hope to have Bernadette, my friend, on the show to go into detail about some of the stuff that she has planned. But um, stick around here on um, I'm Glad You Said That, and we'll be right, bra- right back uh, here with John Quick. When peace like a with John Quick. Uh, like I said, before the break, I couldn't talk about the Kenai Homeport Project forever because it's such a fascinating project for me. And and John Faulkner's been a friend, um, you know, who's also been a friend uh, in terms of support and, and some different things in, in ways is, uh, is Mayor Charlie Pierce. She's involved, um, well, you were involved as his chief of staff, um, John. And, and so what, what's, your, uh, what's your take on him um, putting his hat in the ring in, the, in this governor's race? Well, Charlie Pierce is one of my nearest and dearest friends, and so I have a little bit, a little bit of a bias, if you will. You know, yep. there's very few people that would take a bullet for you, and I, Charlie would probably take ten for me, and I would do the same for him. And you know, Charlie is a guy. Mayor Pierce is a guy that says the things that people are thinking and maybe are scared to say or don't have a platform to say. He prides himself on being in touch with the average Joe and not being afraid to get his hands dirty and just hang out with normal folks. And I think there's something to be said about that because you and I both know that uh, elections come and go, promises come and go, and every once in a while you get a special guy or gal that comes around and they actually do what they say they're going to do. So Charlie. You know, I I helped him run his first two campaigns for mayor. I'm not I'm not involved in his campaign this time around, but his only promise basically was, I will not raise your taxes, and we will end with more money than we started with. And for six years, five years now, it'll be six when he's done. He will have not raised the mill rate once, uh, and he will end up with more money than he started with. And there's something to be said for making a big promise like that and coming through in a big way. Well, it's interesting because, you know, we've endorsed Dunleavy in the past and I consider him an absolute ally. Uh, we've, we've opposed um, Christopher Kirka uh, in his uh, primary election. And uh, we would still do that likely uh, in his run for governor because of the way he operates. Not that he may not be true to his, 
intense, but just in terms of his strategy and, and how we think it's it's a uh, uh, you know it's it's not helpful to our movement. So it's an interesting mix so far of. Uh, yep. You know, Dunleavy and and Charlie Pierce and, and Christopher Kirk, we're hoping to have. We did back in 2016. We had a um, a fun little debate discussion with uh, um, the U.S. Senate candidates and, and Treadwell and and, uh, and Sullivan and Miller, and that was fascinating. It was just because they they were similar in their views on what we stand for, and, and I'm sure it'll be the same with uh, with Charlie Pierce, but um, and and uh, and Dunleavy, um, but what would you say, at least right now, as a friend of his, um, why he felt the need to get in? Well, I think um, Charlie is a guy that is um, strong with his personal convictions, and I think one of his personal convictions was that he wanted to run for governor. And I, I think um, it didn't matter who was governor today he would have still made the choice because he's never a guy that wants to be somebody that's going to be should have, could have, would have looking back five years from now. And so to be honest, I think it helps the ranked choice voting, however way it plays out because, um, you know, the, the average person, including myself, I, I, um, not the, you know, there's way more people smarter out there than I am, but ranked choice voting is going to be a cluster and, people that thought they thought that, uh, you know, politics was complicated before, just wait till ranked choice voting hits them. And, you know, there's a picture, if somebody Googles right now, they can Google 2019 Maine elections, and you'll find a picture that um, Maine also has ranked choice voting. And you'll find a picture, New York Times, the guy that had the most amount of votes, votes lost. And so this is going to this is going to happen. You're going to have people that are going to go to the uh, voting stations and they're not going to realize that they have to vote in a ranked way. They have to vote top four. They don't vote the top four and somebody doesn't get 50.1% of the votes. Their ballot gets null and void the second time the algorithm kicks in. And regardless of any educational campaigns that, you know, folks do, it's brand new. And um, it's it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. But my point is that having multiple Republicans on a jungle primary ranked choice voting ticket is only going to be favorable towards us Republicans. Well, I, that's an interesting take on it. I mean, my view is that you know, I think that the first one that um, – what's his name? The liberal pollster um, – <clears throat> sorry, I got a little bit of a cough. But um, he, he basically showed that, you know, at the time it was um, Sarah Palin, Elvie Gray Jackson, uh, Kelly Chewbacca, and Lisa Murkowski. And, she, and they, did the, they did the ranked choice vote, voting in the, in the poll. I think it was only 500 people, so it wasn't like a, a massive um, number of people. But it turned out in the end that it, it whittled down, and you know it, that Murkowski ultimately won. Um, I think uh, because of Scott Kendall's involvement in the ballot measure too, and how he had a very specific interest in not only getting uh, 
uh, Walker back on track, but also to help Murkowski, it's not going to help conservatives because they want to eliminate our primaries. But at the same time, you hear people like Ben Shapiro, nationally recognized conservative, who's in favor of ranked choice. So it's not necessarily a fait accompli that it, it, it divides one way or the other, is it? Oh, yeah. I don't like ranked choice voting at all. But I think having more than one Republican on the ticket is going to be beneficial uh, if we're stuck with ranked choice voting. And it looks as though we are in terms of the um, you know, the court case that threw it out. That was no surprise to anyone um, oh, yeah. that follows the Supreme Court. What's your view on judicial reform? Does it need to happen? And, and what's the best way for that to happen? Well, I think that um, – there needs to be judicial reform. Yes. I think that the way that, um, that the state does it is set up for the ultimate liberal experience when it comes to, you know, Supreme court judges, for example. And I think that the, um, you know, walk down the street and go ask somebody if they understand how and who gets elected to the the Alaska Supreme court, they're not going to have any idea and it's not their fault necessarily. And I think that, you know, when people have kind of had enough, we've seen it in Anchorage, they kind of had enough of Berkowitz and they kind of had enough of Dunbar and they kind of had enough of these jokesters that weren't listening listening to everybody, they start to show up. And I think we're getting close to that kind of judicial reform aspect where people are starting to get fed up with these liberal judges continually to make these high profile, you know, almost decisions wanting to make the front page news uh, for a cause, not to follow the law. And um, uh, the people will only take that so long before things like constitutional conventions happen and put it into some of these liberal ways. Well, I guess I'm, I'm definitely hopeful um, of the convention. As you know, we've taken a public position on the Constitutional Convention. I, I haven't heard of any other public group at this point that has done it. Um, certainly there are individuals that have stepped up. <clears throat> One of the things that I always like to point out is that uh, you know the other side is so good at organizing, community organizing, oh, gathering oh. their troops that they already have – they have – when we first started uh, toying with any kind of tweaks whatsoever on judicial reform, uh, former Chief Justice uh, Carpinetti and, and others formed a group called uh, Justice Not Politics, and that was several years ago. And they still have, I believe, a full-time uh, director, and that's just going to grow because now they've they put together a full campaign to oppose the convention. Um, and what I think is fascinating, I just want to keep saying this up until November so everyone hears it loud, is that the Alaska Democrat Party has adopted a platform that officially opposes the Constitutional Convention. And the three reasons they say in their platform, you can go to the Alaska Democrat Party platform, Google that, and you'll see it, that they oppose the convention because they think that school choice would occur, that judicial reform would occur, in that the governor would get more power. Um, and that the right to life would possibly be protected. And those, of course, are our three main issues as an organization. So we are amen to that. Thank you for pronouncing it from the mountaintops because the majority of people. <laughs> you didn't have to do it. They did it for you. 
Well, but they don't have, you know, we don't have uh, most of the people in the state, as you know, are not Democrats or Republicans. They're independent or unaffiliated. And so they're going to look at that and say, oh, well, that's kind of interesting that, that one major political party is officially opposed to the convention because they – and from their perspective, it serves their purposes very well. Thank you very much. Um, and so it might, I think it might give some pause. There's a ton of work, obviously, a ton of money, a ton of public education that has to occur. But we that's our primary thing. We'll talk about that a little bit more, folks. We're, we're going to take our next and final break here with John Quick here on I'm Glad You Said That. We'll be right back. When peace like a Here on I'm glad you said that. Can't thank you enough for tuning in. Love to um, have you a part of the show and, and uh, listening to a uh, conversation with John Quick. We, we, we're talking a little bit about the Constitutional Convention. Uh, I don't know if you've taken a, a position uh, you know, specifically on that or not. Uh, John, but uh, we have. We're we're hoping to work with as many like-minded Alaskans and groups um, to get it across the finish line. Do you think it's a possibility? Well, you know, these are these are all just my personal thoughts. I, you know, you know, I dabble my hands in many different pies, and none of these, none of the things I've talked about so far, any of those organizations' opinions, they're just mine. But I'll I'll tell you my thoughts. My personal opinion is that I. I think that the Constitutional Convention is there for a reason, and it's a course correction when government gets a little out there thinking they, you know, uh, need or want too much power or dabble their hands in this. And it's a course correction for the people to get involved to say, hey, wait a minute, this is not what it was supposed to be. And I think it's a good thing. But the part that I'm worried about is that, we're always last to organize. And when I say we, I say the conservatives, whether that's Republican or Libertarian or independent, that kind of a crowd, we don't like to organize and we're always eating each other and super cynical of each other. Meanwhile, the other team, the Democrats have, you know, Scott Kendall and his crew have already worked up every line at, you know, 10 different ways from sideways on how this thing's going to play out. And they got, you know, 14 different pro bono lawyers already working on every different angle of every different um, pro-life stance and blah, 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 blah. They've already gamed this thing out. You know, they've been in the war room probably, and we're sitting here twiddling our fingers and yelling at, you know, the the state for making us wear a mask in a, in a courthouse. And yeah. they've, you know, figured out how to win the constitutional convention if it ever happens and how to employ ranked choice voting so Lisa Murkowski never wins and Bill Walker win again. And our group is, you know, offended that we have to wear a mask on a plane. And I, it's not that that's a bad thing. It's just the other team is so much more strategic than we are. And if we could only get more strategic, we would put the fear of God into these people. Yeah, and I, I can't agree more. I'm always asked that. Uh, ever since we started uh, 15 years ago as, a, as an organization is why can we not get the same kind of uh, activity and passion and engagement and you know to me it's fairly obvious the the left in general um, kind of worships at the altar of big government and those who are typically more conservative are <clears throat> engaged in their church in their in their work in their families, not to say that, that those on, in the left or, or liberals aren't, 
but I think that they just have a natural inclination because they see government as the source of goodness as opposed to what Reagan said, which is, you know, the government is the problem. They're not the solution to the problem. Um, and because of that, conservatives are so inclined to say, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And yet what happens is they, as they disengage, they end up having the government more involved in their life. And so we have to get folks involved. Our number one issue is the life issue. It's come to our realization in no uncertain terms that there's no other way to do this. Uh, we won't get two-thirds in the House or the Senate uh, in my lifetime. I, I mean, I don't want to be a, a naysayer to that level, but I really feel like uh, it's hard for me to comprehend that we get the the two-thirds in the in the Senate or the House and then to the people with a lot of these different things that have to occur, including judicial reform, school choice, and um, and the right to life issue. And even the PFD issue that Dunleavy has proposed, he knows that he doesn't have two-thirds. And so oh, I'm, yeah. I'm hopeful that he's going to push for the PFD. Sure, there, there are some risks. There's no doubt that there are some risks. And Bob Bird and I don't agree on a on everything, but he in his debate, I haven't watched the whole thing yet, and the Watchman with him and Coghill, but he definitely says, um, "Listen, who who do you trust at this stage in our uh, in our culture, in our society, in our democracy, in our country? Who can you actually say that you trust? Is it the government?" And everyone, of course, would say, "Not even." Is it the is it the corporate elite? Is it the edu the academics? Is it your healthcare? profession that has now been politicized based on, based on all the COVID junk. It's really difficult to trust anybody but the people in the end. So if you can say, well, we just can't trust the people to get to this convention. Well, yeah, okay, I get that, but I'm certainly not going to trust the status quo from here on out. And I, I just don't see it, you know, from my perspective, uh, if you're a pre-born Alaskan and you haven't taken your first breath, this is our only route. The court has said in no uncertain terms that they will overturn everything that we passed, that we have passed legislatively through the statewide initiative process. Um, and I think that once we get through the – I hope – I think of it as like the Super Bowl. You know, We have to get – I'm a big Cincinnati Bengals guy, so I'm really stoked right now. But we had to beat you know, the Raiders and then the Tennessee Titans and then finally the Chiefs. It was three separate games to now get to the Super Bowl. Well, this first step of the convention is just one playoff game. And then we have a decent amount of time. Once that actually happens and people actually start to see, okay, well, what does this now look like? It's not going to be like you have to go down to Juno for two years, you know, uh, as a delegate. It's it's very specified in terms of a, a 60 to 90 day period. And uh, and you and so I think it will attract a, a whole different group of individuals um, than might be interested in going to the legislature. Um, but one of the things I've said this before, I always try to poke this in, is that was the report, and I don't know if you've heard this, but it was a, a consultant's report that was given to um, to the original delegates to the Constitution, and they analyzed a, a lot of different things. But uh, regarding the judicial selection process that had been set up in the Alaska Constitution draft document. Here's a, a direct quote from this consultant group. These sections in particular go a long way toward withdrawing the judicial branch from the control of the people of the state and placing it under that of the organized bar. No state constitution has ever gone this far in placing one of the three coordinate branches of the government beyond the reach of democratic controls. 
We feel that in its desire to preserve the integrity of the courts, the convention has gone farther than is necessary or safe in putting them in the hands of a private professional group. I mean, that's – and that that the whole consultant report that we're trying to dig up now, because that's just one piece of it that was in Vic Fisher's book on the convention. And there's a whole consultant report that was given to the uh, the delegates, and it never was uh, brought to the floor. So the whole oh, wow. the whole delegation never saw that report that said you guys are gone way overboard on uh, giving the the control of the judiciary so much to the liberal organized bar. And that's been so many the, the the reason for so many of our issues in this state is are these you know the, the the usurpation of the power of the court, and you know so I, I just I, I'm I'm at the stage right now where I'm just saying let's go for it man let's just see what happens let's get to the playoffs or we're in the playoffs I guess this is our first game we have to convince enough people that we can actually put together a, a plan to get the right delegates in place but maybe switching gears here what's your take on you know, I have to say it's been – we only have two and a half minutes, but any any advice for all those people who tune in that are frustrated with how the Republicans keep giving away the power to the Democrats? Um, and I have people that tell me they just don't want to be engaged anymore because we've elected the Republicans. They can't play in the sandbox together. Why even engage? What would be your advice to someone like that? So I think uh, when you're pointing a finger at somebody else, you got four pointing right back at you. And – um, that unless you're literally showing up to every school board meeting and every assembly meeting and every community council meeting, that you still have room for improvement before you sit and throw a finger at a, a Republican governor such as Dunleavy and say, well, he hasn't done this and he hasn't done that and he hasn't done this. In the state of Alaska, it's nearly impossible to do anything as a governor unless you have the House and the Senate on your side. And yeah. so... It is one of those things where we need more people involved at the local level. I really, truly believe that, that that you can be just as effective. You don't have to help solve who's going to run for governor next. If you're sitting and listening in your room, drinking your morning coffee, you yourself can get with your friends and figure out who's going to run for your school board, who's going to infiltrate the community councils that are liberal feeding grounds for, you know, double a ball for for the uh the assemblies in, in most boroughs you know who's yeah. going to run for a borough assembly who's city council or or borough mayor you there are so many ways to get involved the other team is doing it and they are destroying the competition and it's about time that we get involved in the small races and not just care about the governor's race no very well said I, that's exactly the kind of answer i'm I'm glad you said that um uh because the uh that's exactly the right answer. We can be frustrated with the Kelly Merricks and the Louise Stutes of the world <clears throat> that have been elected as Republicans and give the power away. We can be frustrated that Governor Dunleavy hasn't hasn't been as uh Ron DeSantis as we'd like but the the ultimate reality is that we each have the ability to control certain things in our own little small environment and so that's the greatest way to end this program um is to just say get out there and make a difference folks and John you have made a big difference in the state can't thank you for, enough for being on the show god bless you and uh really appreciate you being on the show today thanks Jim appreciate it all right god bless guys we'll see you next week